Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast with myself, David Panel co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe. And if you have a vegan business or you're even thinking of starting one, then Vegan Business Tribe is here to support you and inspire you, not just to build a vegan business, but to build a successful vegan business. And if you want to go beyond the podcast and connect with our community of like-minded vegan entrepreneurs, and yes, you are an entrepreneur if you like the label or not, then do head over to our website at www.veganbusinesstribe.com, where you can join our live online events, you can study our courses, or just get support, because I know how lonely it can be out there if you're running a vegan business on your own. So just come and be part of our community and get some support from people who just understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. So today's episode, it's a little bit longer than usual because I'm actually sharing a masterclass that we recorded for Vegan Business Tribe with Caroline Burgess-Pike from Eden Green PR. And now this was on the topic of how to get your vegan business in the news because one of the biggest questions we get asked at vbt is how do i get my business out there because when you first start a vegan business you spend so much time focusing on your product and your service and getting that right but you don't always have those marketing skills in place to then get your product in front of new customers And if you're listening to this and you're saying, yes, this is me, this is exactly what I need, then we're going to change all that with this episode. Because Caroline from Eden Green is one of the leading experts in vegan PR. In the past, she's been a writer for Veganuary. She's run campaigns for Million Dollar Vegan, who asked the Pope to go vegan for Lent in return for $1 million donated to charity. And as a little bit of a spoiler alert, he actually turned down the money, but it it did make for some amazing PR for the campaign. And she's also done PR for vegan food brands such as Squeaky Bean and Mummy Meegs. So she truly is the font of all knowledge for getting your vegan company in the news. And the really big takeaway for this masterclass is this. Your product or service, just being vegan, isn't really newsworthy anymore. And if you're relying on that to get your company noticed and in the news, well, it's just unlikely to work anymore because there are a lot of companies out there providing vegan products and services. Just being vegan isn't the big news story. It was just even five years ago. So it might be the thing that actually is newsworthy isn't your product or company. It might be you. It might be your story and your journey that people want to read about. So once you've worked out what is newsworthy about your company, you know, what that newsworthy hook is, we then go on to talk about the practical side of getting your business in the news. And this covers how to approach editors of magazines or even online news outlets. We talk about how to connect with influencers on Instagram and YouTube, you know, the really hands-on 
practical stuff. Now, because of the current restrictions, Caroline and I, we recorded this interview on Zoom. So the audio quality, it's not quite studio quality, but there is so much good information in this masterclass that I'm sure once you just tune into it, that's really not going to matter to you at all. And if you'd like to watch the video version of this session instead, then just head over to the website at veganbusinesstribe.com and search for how to get your vegan business in the news and just search for that in our articles and content section and you'll find it right there. Okay, so get your notebooks ready and enjoy. We're here today with Caroline Burgess-Pike from Eden Green PR. Hello, Caroline. How are you doing today? Hi, David. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? We're doing absolutely brilliant. Now, you're our expert in PR, (laughs) <laughs> so we had quite a few uh, people on the site because when, when you when you launch a vegan business, um, wh- one of the main things which will make it either live or die is exposure and it is publicity. But also, it's not necessarily a business skill that you have when you first go into business. It's, it's something you have to learn about. It's something that you have to start taking on board. Um, but before we go into that and talk about PR, just tell me a little bit about your vegan story, because um, we're all vegan business owners, so we're all vegan and then usually launched a business after becoming vegan. So what's your story, Caroline? Sure. Um, so I've been vegan for five years now. I went vegan in 2015. Um, I'd been veggie for a couple of years before that. Mm. Um, I had always been really uncomfortable with eating meat um, and always kind of wanted to go veggie, but um, I guess we just get so ingrained in our culture, don't we, where meat eating is so prolific that um, I never really took the leap as such. Um, and then I just decided I really don't want to consume animals anymore. Um, and I I'd, I'd thought about going vegan uh, and then my best friend actually went vegan. So that kind of spurred me into doing it too. Um, so yeah, I went vegan and then did it for animal welfare reasons, but then became very involved in the kind of activism side of things where I wanted to really communicate that passion to others as well and obviously get the vegan message out there. Um, So I've been involved in quite a few vegan campaigns as well as working with vegan businesses since that time. So, um, and I I have actually worked with vegan businesses prior to going vegan. Um, So I worked in a PR agency where we worked with a lot of vegan lifestyle brands. So vegan beauty, a few food brands. So I think that also planted a bit of a seed for me and sort of set the wheels in motion a bit. So it was great to have yeah, so all the indicators were there then. Fate yeah. was giving you a push. Yeah, and like most vegans now, I really regret not doing it sooner. Um, I think yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. So you already working in PR then when, when you turned vegan. That's not something you've picked up afterwards. Yes, yeah. So I began my career as a journalist working for a local paper um, and then decided to move away from journalism into the more sort of marketing and PR side of things. Um, I wanted to be a bit more creative in my work and what I was doing because uh, journalism is obviously a bit more restricted where you're only writing about the news generally, unless you're a lifestyle reporter. So yeah, I wanted to, um, to work on the business side of things or the, you know, campaigning side of things where I could use my creativity a bit more freely. Um, so yeah, I went into into marketing. Um, I worked with a food manufacturer initially, who um, contract packs 
plant milks. So um, they were packing oat milk before oat milk was really famous here uh, with quite a well-known oat milk brand. So um, it was good to kind of have that knowledge as the plant milk market was starting to really grow here. Um, and they also packed fruit juices and other drinks. So um, it was good to have that market marketplace knowledge. And then I moved over to the PR agency where we work with vegan brands. And then um, after a few years working there, I moved to a technology focused agency, which wasn't vegan focused at all. Um, and I became vegan while I worked there. And I kind of thought, I love working here, but it's not really allowing me to use my passion at work as well. Yes. Um, and then in 2017, I had my daughter, who's now two and a half. Um, and while I was on maternity leave, I was kind of umming and ahhing about what I wanted to do and whether I wanted to go back in into technology. Um, and a job advert came up for freelance writers at the January. Um, I just saw it on their Facebook page and applied. And, and that luckily, was that. And that was at Veganuary, you said? Yes, at Veganuary. So oh, fantastic. At the time, they were looking for a pool of freelance writers who could write content for their, uh, their blog page. So they were writing lots of information about new products coming out that were vegan. Um, I got to interview some great activists as well. So I interviewed Earthling Ed prior to the Animal Rights March that year um, and just talking about other vegan campaigns that were happening, um, things like the Badger Coal. So, um, so that was great for me because it meant yeah, I could yeah. tell everyone about veganism. Um, and I love writing as well. So it was kind of a dream scenario. Absolutely. And I guess that gives you a lot of credibility then. So if you're working with a vegan company, you, you can tell them your background. You can tell them who you've worked with. And the fact that you know, you've worked with Veganuary of all people, that gives you a lot of credibility. And so you really understand the customer. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was actually through my contacts at Veganuary. So Jane and Matthew, the founders, who are great people, um, they then went and set up the Million Dollar Vegan campaign. Oh, yes, I remember which, that. Yeah, it's still still going today. Uh, but I worked on the first campaign, which asked the Pope to go vegan for Lent. Um, and in return, he was offered a million dollars for charity. Um, he didn't accept but uh, the campaign did generate a lot of publicity. Yes. Um, so, you know, it was a great way of spreading the vegan message out there. So, um, yeah, we, it was still a good campaign, even though he, he, didn't, he didn't say he would go vegan. <laughs> no, that's, that's really, but, but that's really important, isn't it? Because when we talk about PR, and I think it's worthwhile to talk about what PR actually is, and um, people think it's about just getting a story into a newspaper, isn't it? But as you were saying with that million dollar, uh, million dollar vegan example, it's a lot more than that. Yes, exactly. Yes. It's all about communicating your message and, and really using, you know, the aspect of giving the Pope a million dollars was the media hook as such. Um, I don't think we ever really thought he would actually take the money because that obviously in itself is quite controversial if the Pope takes a million dollars, even if it is for charity. Um, Did you have a million dollars to give? Yes, there was a million dollars. Yeah, wow. a, a philanthropist had a million dollars sitting wow. in the bank waiting to give to him. So, um, yeah, the money was actually there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was really that was the hook to get the media coverage so that the media would talk about it. And the strap line for that campaign was fight climate change with diet change. So it was all about uh, the benefits 
of veganism for the environment, um, which, so that launched last year when obviously the environment was more prolific than a pandemic as we're in now. Um, so yeah, it, it did generate a lot of coverage. It hit all the major um, newspapers in the UK. We were interviewed on Sky News, a couple of radio stations like BBC stations. Um, and there was a global team working on it as well. So um, there were, I think there were 15 country managers who were pushing out the message globally. So um, around the world, it got lots and lots of pickups. So it was, you know, it was a great campaign in that respect. And it was all about pushing that message of why more people should go vegan if we're going to cut our carbon emissions and um, save the planet, basically. Yeah, and that's a real, that's a real crux of PR, isn't it? It's not, it's not the vehicle that that message is going out to. So the fact that it did get press coverage, that you got interviews, that actually isn't really the heart of PR. It's it's that story and coming up with that story. And I think that's what most people struggle with. If you're a new company, you think, well, the fact that I've got a new product or a new company, that's actually newsworthy, and people should be mentioning. But it's not. It's it's about having that amazing story. Absolutely, you always need a good hook, um, especially if. I mean, if you've got an amazing product, sometimes that is going to get you coverage in itself, especially with the vegan publications who want to tell people what new vegan products are coming out. But, um, you know, you're only going to get that coverage once for your new product and you need to sustain that coverage to keep the brand momentum up. And that's where you need to think a bit more creatively about the stories that you're pushing out, um, whether it's talking about, you know, your brand's heritage. So, for example, with Mummy Meeks, who I'm working with, um, I know you recently interviewed them, but Absolutely. they've got a great story. Um, so Mummy Meeks, the founder, um, she's a, a vegan pensioner and an activist. Um, so she's got a great little story about how she set up the business with Willow, her daughter. Yes. Um, and they've achieved some great things. You know, their, their cream egg launch, vegan cream egg launch earlier this year got loads of publicity. Um, and... I think that did so well, not just because it was such an innovative product, because there wasn't a vegan cream egg being mass produced, but also because of the story behind the brand. Um, yes. And that's what's helped us also to keep up some of the momentum um, in getting coverage out there for the brand, uh, while we also work on some new product initiatives as well. Yeah, because we're very familiar with the Mummy Meeks uh, Chucky Egg, isn't it? The vegan cream egg. Yes. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm afraid to say I've probably eaten quite a lot <laughs> over the last year as well. Uh, but, but I think, it, it, as you said, the reason they did so well, it was because it was quite a unique product. So when you're entering the vegan marketplace, say, you know, five years ago, just having, uh, you know, vegan chocolate or something which was everyday but vegan was newsworthy in itself, but now it's a really saturated market. So you 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 really need a different point of difference with your product, but apart from it just being vegan. But yeah. what you said about that story behind Mummy Meeks and you know the, the the vegan pensioner activist who who launched this business in a kitchen with a with a daughter. Um, I, I think a lot of the time people shy away from that, don't they? They don't like to put themselves as the story. But a lot of the time, and and you know some of the uh, vegan businesses we work with, uh, the story of the people and how how they started is actually the hook you know it, yeah. it's an absolutely brilliant brilliant idea and it's very unique to them absolutely and often uh, when I'm working with brands I'll actually be pitching a story about the founder of the brand rather than the product because that's how you get your coverage not mm. not through talking about the product itself so um, I think if vegan businesses can think about their unique story so um, maybe they've got a rags to riches story or you yes. know maybe maybe they've 
set up an animal sanctuary in their spare time and they're helping disabled animals or it could be anything maybe they run marathons and they've set up this business as a result selling I don't know vegan running shoes for example so um yeah you definitely need to think about the heritage of the business and where you've come from and how you want to communicate that story and the messaging that you can push out that's going to resonate with audiences so um you know have a flick through the daily mail um have a look at their have a look at their lifestyle pages see what they're writing about you know they're writing about everyday people that have achieved great things and a lot of those stories will also you know have some kind of plug to their business even if it's not the focus and that's how a lot of prs work in terms of getting that coverage for a business especially a small business like many many vegan businesses are you know they're they're small but they're growing yeah, absolutely. So it's not just about working out what's different about your products for uh, PR and public relations. It's about really working out what that hook is, what that story is. Um, so really interesting. And that's absolutely fantastic. So we need to work out what that message is first. Mm-hmm. But once we have that message, what what do we do with it? I mean, how do you actually go out and, and, and approach a publication, for instance? Sure. So I think my advice would be get a pitch in writing. So get it in a format that's either an email or a press release or write a press release and then do a little cover note with it that you can send out to journalists summarizing your pitch in a paragraph or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so know exactly what you want to say, get it written down, make sure you include the vital information of who, what, why, when, and how, mm-hmm. which is what journalists need to know. So they, they need to know who you are, uh, why you've got a good story, um, you know, how you came about what you want to get across so um one tip that i heard was that you should get that quite high up in the press release as well that should be something almost in the first sentence yeah absolutely that should be in the first sentence if you can get all of those points in um and at least in you know the first paragraph or two if not so that is the, the key aspect i think a lot of um a lot of People tend to make mistakes where they waffle quite a bit in a press yes. release, but actually less is more. And if you can get the key elements in the first couple of paragraphs, you can then at the end have a notes to editors section where you can talk about your company and who you are and how you came about. And you can go into more detail there. But in the main body of the release, it needs to be really succinct and literally just tell them, tell the journalist about what it is you're pushing at that exact moment whether it's a new product or whether you've just run a marathon or anything like that. Um, And when you're writing a press release, should should you actually be writing it as if it's the story? Because I I know quite often I've seen on various press releases we've put out, it's almost um, reproduced verbatim in in, in the magazine or the newspaper when it gets in there. So should you be writing it as a story or should you be letting the journalist do that bit? um, I would keep it quite factual. But in your cover note, you could talk about the elements that the story could cover. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you wanted to pitch yourself as a business person, you could give a a really brief overview in your email to the journalist where you say, um, this is who I am. And I wondered if you wanted to feature me because I've done X, Y and Z. And then pick the really appealing things that, you know, think about if you were reading a magazine or a newspaper, what would interest you in reading someone's story? You need to you know, have some information about their life and what they've achieved. So if you can maybe just bullet point a few key things um, and then in the press release, you can go into a bit more detail, but I wouldn't necessarily write it as a story. Again, I would keep it quite factual. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is really good there. That's really good advice. What about images and photography? Because I've, uh, again, some uh, press release I've been involved in, in the past, I think it's got placed just because the company's had a brilliant image to go with it. Because a lot of the time, you know, newspapers and magazines and, and when you move online as well, they, they like that visual element. They want this this, this stunning, grabbing picture. So I, I, I think sometimes if you've got that kind of image, that can really make a difference. Yeah, definitely. Images are really important. Um Sometimes a journalist will pick a story because it will look good on the page. So I've actually in the past been really lucky to secure some coverage in Metro, the the newspaper Metro, purely by luck because I'd sent them a sample of a purple eyeshadow from a vegan brand and they were running a page on purple beauty products. So they they ran this story. So, um, so yeah, pictures are important and obviously they tell the story. So um, I think, you know, we're, we're increasingly moving towards video content being more prolific in newspapers, um, especially online. So, um, well, only online, I guess. But um, (laughs) so if you can think about imagery, that is really important. So if you're promoting a product, then you need some really good shots of the packaging. But if you can create some lifestyle products too, where it shows your product being used. So if you've got, you know, a vegan meat alternative, show it in a recipe um, alongside, you know, some really nicely laid out tableware and some condiments on the side or something. Um, So you need to think about lifestyle images and product images if it's for a product. And if you're pushing yourself as a business and you want to push a spokesperson, then make sure you've got a really good headshot of that person. Um, And then if you're talking about something they've done in their personal life, some really good images of, of, you know, whatever it is they're doing in their life that you're talking about are really helpful. Um, in the When you actually send the email, I would choose your best image to include and then perhaps make a folder on Dropbox or yes. WeTransfer that you can send to them easily if they request more images. So don't put a thousand images in your first email because you'll just clog up the journalist's inbox and they won't really look at them all. So just pick an image that's really going to stand out and then let the journalist know that you do have more available. And and actually that's a good way of making sure that they're engaging with you if you know that they're going to come back and ask for more details. So you're not giving it all away to start with. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of these images, you talked a lot about found images and things like that. So that's not just a selfie of yourself on the phone. That wants to be something <laughs> that, that, that if you know somebody who's got you know half decent camera, um, you know, get it set up. And it's worth, I think, paying. Um, you know, you can get it just for a couple of hundred pounds, can't you? A very decent headshot taken. Yeah, definitely. If you can afford to have a professional fo- a photographer take the photo, then that will obviously be the best option. And if you're running to a really tight budget, then yeah, if you've got someone that's got a good camera that can take a picture of you, then great. Um, and if if you want to push something out now while we're in lockdown, then um, a selfie would probably suffice, but make sure obviously the lighting's good and you're not just yeah. kind of holding up the phone. Um, <laughs> All the obvious so, things, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, it's, I mean, that's really good, but you mentioned video as well. Now, this is something we've not really considered before because, like I say, you can't really have video in a newspaper or a magazine. So, is that basically making a brand video and sending that with your press release so that they might want to share that on their social media pages, for instance? Yeah, I mean, newspapers are always wary of being overly promotional so I think it would kind of depend on on the story but um 
I mean, if, if you were pushing out a story, then then video content is great in terms of just thinking about the Million Dollar Vegan campaign. They yeah. push out loads of video content of case studies of people that have gone vegan, for example, and or, you know, they've achieved great things. Um, so you could look to do a video if it was an actual kind of human interest story, but mm. they don't really tend to run product videos as such. So if it was a straightforward product launch, then that's probably less likely to get picked up. It could do, um, as long as it's really polished. And maybe if you could overlay the video with some graphics where you give some stats about the vegan marketplace. Oh, yes. So, Journalists love stats, don't they? Yeah, they absolutely love yeah. them. Yeah, that's another good point, actually. When you're pushing out a news story, if you can relate it to some research or just to the news agenda. So if it's a story about the rise of veganism, for example, make sure you include some stats. They, you don't have to get your own research. It can it can be research that's readily available. So it could be, um, you know, a, how much of a percentage increase vegan products have had in the last year, or it could be about the benefits of veganism. So it could be um, research about the environment or from doctors, if it's a health-related product, um, or, you know, if, if you're going in, um, if you're pitching a kind of animal welfare angle, then it could be, some stats about factory farming, for example. Absolutely. And I think you can get all those stats. I mean, the Vegan Society have a brilliant statistics page. If you just search uh, vegan society statistics, they've got, you know, and that's constantly updated. You know, I remember they recently put something on there that said one in four food products in the UK in 2019 had had, had some sort of vegan claim to it as well. You know, and those sort of yeah. statistics, that, that's newsworthy. That's something that people will pick up on as well. Absolutely. And you can also do what we call news jacking. So, for example, last week, the Vegan Society put out some new research, which I think said one in five people yes. are eating less meat and dairy during lockdown. During the lockdown, yes. Which did get picked up by quite a few publications. So if you're a vegan business, you can um, you can news jack that where you can then kind of go in with your story and say, I don't know, you could say, well, sales figures at my business have increased by 300% since lockdown of vegan products. So it, you might not get a standalone article out of it, but if the journalist is writing a piece about that research, then they might include a little quote from you. So that's another great way of, um, of kind of hijacking the news agenda as well. Absolutely, yeah. Hijacking the news with, with your own news, you know. Exactly. <laughs> obviously, why it's called, obviously why it's called newsjacking. Okay, mm -hmm. so, so you, you've made this then pitch to um, either um, the, the, the publisher or the editor or whichever email address or publication is giving out. Um, now, a lot of people, and, and especially if you're, if you're in a vegan business, you maybe don't have lots of business skills yet. You, you might be building those up. But a lot of people don't want to seem like they're being too pushy. So I think one of the mistakes people make is they'll send a press release and then if they don't hear back, they, they do nothing else. So should, mm. you, should you be following up? Should, should you even get on the telephone? Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely follow up and definitely get on the phone if you can okay. find um, the number for the journalist that you're approaching. Um, so just to take it back a step, actually, make sure that you found a journalist that's relevant to what you're pitching. So have okay, a look yeah. at have a look at the publication that you want to approach. So if you want something in, I don't know, the Daily Mirror, have a look at who's written articles about veganism before or who writes lifestyle articles and approach that person so you know you've got the right journalist because um news, you know, news teams and newspaper teams spread across quite a broad area and some of them will have their own little focus. So 
you might want the lifestyle editor, for example, or if it's a news piece, you want a news reporter. So just have a look at what the journalist has written before, make sure it's relevant. And you could even reference an article that they've previously written because they love oh, to yeah. know that you've really researched them and, and you've That's read clever, their publication. Yeah. So yeah, make sure that you know, what, or you can show that you know what they're interested in. And then in terms of um, pitching them, I would send an email initially um, because it can be tricky to get journalists on the phone and they are busy. So if you can get everything in writing to them and then pick up the phone, give them a call, say, did you get my pitch? Um, ask if it's a good time to talk. That always is a nice little kind of icebreaker, making sure they're not on deadline. Um, yes. <laughs> so yeah, give them a call, run through the pitch really quickly, get your elevator pitch ready where you can summarize your pitch in 30 seconds or less. Um, and then if you can't get hold of them by phone, try emailing again because journalists literally receive hundreds of emails every day. So it might just be that they haven't seen your email. It might be of interest. They just haven't seen it. So, um, yeah, always follow it up because it could have just got lost in their inbox. So you don't want to miss that opportunity yeah. if you send it and think, oh, they're just not interested because um, I've, I've definitely secured lots of good stories before where I've phoned the journalist later. And I think timing is important, like you said, especially if it's magazines. They're, 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 they work on cycles throughout the month. And I know that sometimes, uh, you know, we've tried to get in contact with, with a writer, but it's being, you know, several days before their print deadline. So you, you just get nothing back. And then if you follow up... Yeah. Uh, uh, follow up a week later, they're actually starting to think about right, what are we going to put in the next issue so they can be a lot more receptive. But it's not always easy to, to know what that cycle is and, and, and to when to reach out and contact them. Yeah, and magazines and papers work on different deadlines. So yeah. there's never going to be you know, a precise time unless you are literally talking to those journalists constantly and you know what they're doing. Um, that's another good point. If you want to get into a magazine and you're pitching, say, a seasonal product, like a Christmas product, mm -hmm. you need to be pitching those at least three months in advance if you can. It can be under embargo, but a magazine, some magazines are printed or their, you know, their deadline is three yes. months before they're printed. So there's no point going to them the week before Christmas with a Christmas product because it just won't get published. So um, if you're bringing out Christmas lines, you need to be thinking about that now in terms of how you're going to get those products talked about because everyone will be pushing Christmas products. Exactly, so, yeah. um, so you need to think about that. Obviously, if it's if you're just pitching to a newspaper, they work a lot. Um, well, they work, you know, instantly. So you don't need to worry too much about lead time for that. But definitely for the vegan magazines and other magazines, you need to be thinking a couple of months in advance, ideally. Yeah, which is an absolutely great, great tip to remember. So we've talked about uh, magazines, we've talked about newspapers, but a lot of us now will actually get our news through, through a news feed. So th that may mm -hmm. be just, just if you've got an Android phone, you 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 swipe left and you you, you see all the news interests, uh, sorry, you see all the news stories which Android is picking out but you think it's interesting. And mm -hmm. a lot of those stories, they come out of places like Veg News or there's Veg Communist, and there's, there's lots of you know, new online publications spreading up. So mm -hmm. how does it change if you're trying to talk to one of these online news sources? Do you have to take a different approach? Is there a different way to get in front of these people? Um, I think it's it's a pretty similar approach across the board in terms of trying to send that initial pitch and then following it up. Mm. I think you just need to think about your audience. So if you're pitching to a, a vegan publication, so if you're pitching to Veggonomist, they are business focused. So they're more likely to run a story about your business 
and it might be that you could pitch an interview to talk about how your business is growing. Um, so that can be that can be very business focused. Whereas if you're pitching veg news or plant based news, they'll most likely want your story to have some kind of news angle. Um, or you could go with a thought leadership style mm. approach, as we call it. So that's basically an opinion piece. So you could pitch your opinion on something that's happening in the news at the moment. So for example, now you could maybe pitch an opinion piece on why you think people should go vegan to stop future pandemics. Um, so yeah, just have a think about what the publication covers and what they're likely to be interested in. And then you can probably approach them in the same way. Um, maybe try and pick up the phone first. They they do kind of operate in the same way as all journalists. Yes, I don't yes. think there's much of a distinction between them. No, that, that's absolutely great. So, so that's that's the written word we've been talking mainly about here. We've we've, we've touched on video, uh, a very um, you know a very modern way to get your product in front of people though is through YouTube and people who've already got an audience. So in, in the industry, we, we call these influencers, people who mm-hmm. have got a got a following of people who might be interested in what your what your product is or what you're trying to sell. So um, it, it, it can be seen quite daunting sometimes because if you watch somebody on YouTube yourself regularly, to you they're they're a little bit of a celebrity. So <laughs> you, you you can feel quite daunted to actually try and contact them and try to engage with them. But I, I think in the vegan marketplace, these people don't always have massive followings and, and mm. they're perhaps only famous within a quite quite a niche group. So is approaching vegan influencers a, a way to get your product out there as well? Absolutely, yes. Don't dismiss the power of social media. I think that's, you know, creeping up to be on par with some of the traditional news outlets in terms of mm. increasing sales. Um, even just thinking about channels like Vegan Food UK, who push vegan products you know they've got a massive following and um I know they say that when they do a story where they unveil a product that tends to lead to quite a big sales increase for the brand so um you could you know think about online channels like that or think about approaching vegan influencers but um you know the really big influencers now you know the likes of Earthling Ed or or Joey Carbstrong they're they're quite busy they get approached by a lot of vegan campaigns or brands so they're not always able to help as much as I'm sure they'd like to be able to help every vegan business. So maybe start a bit smaller and think about some of the influencers who might only have, you know, five, 10, 15,000 Instagram followers. Mm -hmm. Um, But if they're pushing out vegan products all the time or vegan companies, then they might be more willing to work with you. Um, Sometimes influencers do want payment, but there are still influencers who will cover your product if you send them a sample. Mm. So sampling is a really important way if you've got product of getting coverage, whether it's with a newspaper or whether it's with an influencer. So um, if you're thinking of vegan influencers in particular, I would probably choose a handful of influencers that you'd really like to work with and who work well for your brand and then just drop them a message it can just be you know an Instagram direct message or a Facebook message asking if you can send them a sample of your product um you know if you could package it up nicely into a little box or a hamper for them um and send that off to them um once they agree and send you their address details and then they are quite likely to mention that product then on their social media feed. So that is a great way of getting exposure for your brand for very little cost. So um, yeah, I, I would say don't be frightened to approach people. 
or you can you can only ask so you know it's it, it can be a bit of a numbers game some won't come back to you because they're too busy or you know they want payment or they're just inundated but some will come back to you so don't give up just keep trying yeah and you have to remember that they want content as well you know if, if you are if you are having to put something out every day you know look similar to what we do with a vegan business tribe, you're always looking for something to talk about. You're always looking for something new. So I love the idea of making your product into some sort of hamper because quite mm-hmm. often uh, people will do an unboxing, you know, where, where, where they'll take exactly what you've sent with them, their video, taking it open, um, you know, applying it, using it for the first time. So yes, I absolutely love that as a tip. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Make sure fantastic. you send samples. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Samples, samples, samples. So these, um, lots of great ideas of, of PR in here. And you, you've talked about some of the campaigns you've worked on in the past. Uh, just just tell me, what, what's been your favorite vegan PR campaign that you've seen? Oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> so, <laughs> because there have been some brilliant ones. There have been some really creative ones as well. Yeah, really great. I think obviously the Greg's sausage roll stands out as obviously um, yeah. the major one because just because it went so viral and that's mm. just been the most incredibly successful vegan product. Um, mm. And I think that obviously was in part due to Piers Morgan and his dislike of vegans. <laughs> um, but, you know, in a way he did do some good for the vegan community by pushing out those products. So um, whatever your views on Piers Morgan, I think there may be worth some benefits to him talking about vegan sausage rolls. Absolutely. Um yeah, there's been some some quite creative campaigns that have happened recently. Um, I saw one from Meatless Farm where they took, this was before lockdown, they took some vegan burgers into London with some quite good looking men handing them out to, <laughs> I think, mostly women. Um, and yeah, they were giving people these burgers and then they wouldn't tell them until afterwards that the burger was vegan. So then obviously people were like, oh, wow, I never would have known that that was a vegan product. So that was a great little PR stunt and it did get picked up in the media. I think they had some great photos and I think they might have had some video footage as well. So um, being a bit more creative and thinking yes. of PR stunts is a great way as well. And that's really, moment, yeah, I'll be so sorry. That, that, that's really okay. important to remember as well, isn't it? Because a lot of the time when we talk about PR, talk about PR stunts, we're thinking about companies who've got huge budgets but something like the meatless farm of just going onto a street handing out samples but doing it in quite a theatrical way Mm. you know you can video that yourself and you know it's it's i mean phone video is 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 high quality than it used to be but if you've got somebody who knows their way around a camera and can actually take some great reaction videos that's not just something which pr can pick up as well that's something that will give you some great brand collateral that you can use on your own website and you can use in your own marketing too Exactly. Yeah. You can push that out on your social pages and, you know, maybe you can work with an influencer who might want to publish that video too. So yeah, absolutely. Video is a great way of getting the message out, whether it's being featured on a newspaper's website or your own website. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. Right. Okay. So we've covered quite a lot here and it's been really useful information as well. I'm hoping people will take a lot away from this. But what would your overriding tip be? So if you've got somebody and you've just started up a vegan business and you're just trying to get out there, you've never done PR before. Have you got any just just real final takeaway tips? Sure. I think maybe know your product know what your USPs are. Why is your product different? Or why are you different? Why is your business different? Um, know what your messaging is going to be. Do your research. Make sure you know if you want to, you know, if you want to target newspapers, research who is most likely to talk about you or research the influencers that are talking about products like yours. Um, 
make sure you've got a really polished pitch that you can send them. It doesn't have to be long. It can be a couple of paragraphs of an email. Um, and don't give up. Be persistent. A lot of PR is all about persistence. Just keep following up with the journalists. Um, give them a call if you can. And yeah, just keep pushing your product out there. Don't worry about being pushy because <laughs> in PR, you kind of have to be a little bit forthcoming. So Absolutely. No, that's absolutely fantastic, Caroline. Um, and so people can find out more about you if they just Google um, Eden Green PR, I'm guessing? Yes. Yeah, I've got a website, edengreenpr.com. So there's a bit more information there and my email address is there as well if anyone wants to get in touch for some advice. Hello, it's David again. And just how much amazing information was in that. And, and I tell you, you can really use what you've just learned from Caroline because she's just passed on information that has come from years of experience. And as another bit of just general business advice, you don't always need to have experience yourself to gain knowledge. You can go out there and find people who have already done what you're wanting to do and you can learn for them. And that's another reason why we set up Vegan Business Tribe, to connect people who have vegan businesses so we can all support each other. So if you'd like more great content just like this, then head over to the Vegan Business Tribe website where you can find it all for free. Or if you'd like that little bit more support, then we do have a paid tier also. And that gives you access to our mentorship forums, our online networking events, our courses. And it also lets you ask Lisa and me questions as well. And finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating or a thumbs up wherever you're listening to this on. And also tap that subscribe button because that's not just bookmarking this podcast for yourself. It's also you letting the platform know this is a podcast worth listening to. And you'll help us get this amazing information into the heads, the hands and the ears of lots more vegan business owners. So thank you so much and I'll see you on the next one.